Welcome to Attention to Detail, the classical music listening guide, where we give you the tools to understand, appreciate, and enjoy listening to classical music. Hey there, welcome back to Attention to Detail. This is Hannah Reffitt joined with Jacob Joyce. Hi, Jacob. Hey, Hannah, how are you doing? I'm doing great, how are you? Very good. I'm uh, excited today because today is a, a exciting new chapter for us at Attention to Detail. We're we're doing this podcast uh, in collaboration with Lincoln Center. Lincoln Center has a concert coming up uh, with the LA Phil, and they're performing Bruckner's Symphony Number no. Four. And so, this this specific episode of the podcast is meant to preview this concert and to go over this piece a little bit, but also to introduce new listeners, uh, the Lincoln Center audience, and hopefully people all over to what we're trying to do here on the podcast. Um, why don't we, for those people who are new, why don't we introduce ourselves very briefly. Yeah. Hannah, tell us what tell us what you do. Sure. Uh, my name is Hannah Reffitt, and I am the manager of artistic planning for the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra. And so that means that I get to program our Happy Hour series, a number of educational concerts, and I manage all the logistics on our classical subscription side. So busy job, and it's great to be working on the podcast with you, Jacob. Yeah, we work together a lot in yeah. our in our professional life. I also work. I'm the associate conductor for the for the Indianapolis Symphony. Um, that means that I'm a conductor. I've been a musician my whole life, but but also one of the things that I love most is is bringing new people to classical music, and that brings me a little bit to the the point of our podcast which is um if our if if new listeners go back and look at our f first four episodes we have four techniques that we try to get people to do and incorporate when they go to the concert hall for the first time or the second time or anytime it's mm. really for newcomers and expert concert goers alike and the idea is that we don't really give a lot of program notes, historical background, technical details on this podcast. Instead, it's it's about ways to listen and ways to appreciate what you're listening to. And, and the idea is that you don't really need, it's great to have some background knowledge. Some people do, some people don't, but you don't really need any background knowledge to do this. You just need attention and curiosity. I think those uh, attention and curiosity are kind of the foundations for what our techniques are are built on. Sure. And so I'd encourage especially new listeners, those who are joining us for the first time, to, if they have the time, to go back and, and check out the first four episodes because a lot of what we do even today will be based on that. Mm -hmm. But we can also, we'll give a little overview as we go through Bruckner today about what, what exactly we're talking about. Yeah. So for the new listeners, I feel like it's important for me to tell you that I don't have a personal background in classical music. I studied theater actually in school and I sort of um, almost luckily fell into my position with the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra and I ended up falling in love with classical music. And one thing that I have learned from my colleagues at the ISO, like you, Jacob, and then through this podcast is how to listen attentively. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we wanted to push forward with uh, the idea of this podcast. Yeah. And um, it's one of been it's been one of the most helpful tools for me personally and what I recommend most to people that I meet and then also to our listeners here is just 
the number one key is to activate that attention, and that's the best way for you to begin to listen to classical music. I totally agree. That's that's our first technique that we uh, promote on this podcast, and it's so important just to have your attention activated when you're listening to classical music. And the other the other technique that we're going to deal with a lot today on this specific episode with Bruckner is the technique we call mapping, which is our largest scale technique. As our listeners may may notice when we actually get into the piece, the Bruckner is a very, very long piece on, on the on the scale of how most symphonies generally go. Hannah, you you and I both sat through it here at the ISO a few weeks ago. It's Sixty-five a, minutes. Yeah. Of and fun. yes. You loved it, right? Oh my gosh, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. So we're here to convince you that it's even worth your time to sit down for, mm. for sixty-five straight minutes and and uh, Pay attention. But one thing I think that will help with that is this technique of mapping, which we'll talk a little more about. It's kind of constructing a visual mental map of where you are in the form of a piece in a way that makes it a little more familiar, palatable for you to to understand. The reason why we're going to use this specific technique when we listen to Bruckner is because we should just mention very briefly that that Bruckner, this is an interesting composer, especially if you're going to your first concert. We'll talk about this a little more, but I think it's actually a fantastic piece and composer to hear as like your first classical experience. Bruckner is actually a kind of esoteric composer, and I think that requires a different kind of listening than if you were going to go to, say, a Beethoven or Brahms symphony concert. And I think that's actually this type of listening that we need for Bruckner that we're going to go through and explain a little bit is, as I just said, a great first little dip your toe into the world of classical music. And what it makes me think of, the, the type of listening that we have to activate when we hear Bruckner specifically, is kind of, have you ever seen Breaking Bad? Yeah. So... There's this episode in Breaking Bad called Fly. Do you remember this episode? Yeah, he's like running around the. It's it's when they are underneath. Is it a laundromat? And yeah, they're, they're in the in lab. The, yeah. yeah, and there's the entire episode focuses on this fly, and it's kind of nothing actually happens in the plot of Breaking mm-hmm. Bad. I happen to not really like the episode, but a lot of people think this is like the best episode of television because it's it's kind of this frozen in time, meditative, let's focus really intently on this fly that's yeah. flying around the lab. Okay. You remember this episode. Yeah, it makes me think of, um, what's that Netflix documentary about sushi? Oh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. It's yeah. like that. Like, it's a little bit. It's a little minimalistic. And, yeah. And, yeah, exactly. So that's the type of listening I think of when I think of okay. Bruckner. It's kind of, um, we're not watching an episode of TV where there's going to be a lot of plot movement. Yeah. We're going to watch a fly breaking bad type of we're going to listen to a fly breaking bad type of episode of music here. Sure. So I think part of the reason why Bruckner is such a great first listen for people who are are interested in going to the concert hall for the first or second time and they want to try something new, I want us to think very briefly about what it actually takes to listen to a a piece of classical music, art music, something that we imagine 
is trying to tell us something or has some sort of meaning. So take the experience, the, the, the different experience from listening to someone speaking. Imagine if your mom or dad said to you, listen to me. They're probably not talking about listen to the sound quality of my voice or how loudly I was talking before or they're probably talking louder now because they're mad at you but you know or like what listen to the kind of ebbs and flows that my language has they're talking about listen to the content that I'm trying to say to you Mm. the meaning of my words and process that now when we think about music how it differs from language in music, we're actually listening to those things that I just mentioned you're, you might not be, your mom or dad is not referring to of sound quality, rhythm, melody, loudness, all of these things. We don't even need to know what these terms mean necessarily, but the actual sounds that are hitting our ears, that's what's supposed to carry the meaning. We're supposed to hear those sounds, interpret them, and then find some meaning, as opposed to language where we all understand language, so those sounds are so innate to us that we immediately perceive the meaning, unless we're not listening to someone, and then we ignore them. So this is the the challenge of listening to music, especially kind of artistic in in, in, in our particular line of work here, classical music. But It's also why I think Bruckner is such an excellent first piece to get your feet wet with this phenomenon because actually in Bruckner, the number of ideas, the number of things that you need to process are so few. It's like someone saying something to you and it has so few actual words. There's plenty of time to simply listen to the sound that are hitting your ears. And so, and it unfolds at a very slow pace. And so if you're a new listener, you can do this. You can take the time to just listen to the sounds that are hitting your ears. And there's not all these ideas that you have to try to process. And I want to suggest something to our listeners that is great for Bruckner and it's great for listening really to anything, which is to listen with your eyes closed. And this, I I think this can be a... Uh, intimidating thing at a concert hall. People might think that you've fallen asleep, but, you know, don't even worry about that. They can worry about themselves. I would suggest listening with your eyes closed because if you think about, it's actually, it's, it's scientifically proven. The amount of information that hits us through our eyes, through our sense of sight is enormous. And your brain can't focus on all of the information that's coming at you at any given moment. And so if you close your eyes, you completely shut off that sense. There's so much more mental space to process the sounds that you're hearing in the concert hall. It's so true. It's distracting sometimes for me when I'm sitting in during a performance and I'll see a musician in the orchestra doing a solo and I'll be thinking about a conversation that myself and that individual has recently had that day. So what I do to maintain that focus is actually I will sometimes look down at the carpet, um, yeah. look down at the ground, and, and maybe focus on that and the music so then um, I'm not so distracted. Because I do sometimes find it's difficult to close your eyes completely because then that can sometimes take you out of the listening. Yeah. So do what works for you. I think that's a great idea, and I think I want to try this idea with our listeners. I'm going to play for you a a clip of music here from 
this Bruckner symphony, and I think this is basically the most detailed clip of music that the, the most details that will hit your ears at any point in the symphony. And so from here, it's it's all downhill. It's all easier listening than this. But try it once with your eyes open and then try it once with your eyes closed and see if you can hear a difference. One more time, this time with our eyes closed. So Hannah, you tried that out. Yeah. Honest reaction. How did it feel? Um, definitely with, when your eyes close, you notice additional things. Also, it's your second listen, so it, it, it assists yeah. you in additional ways in, in that you're noticing things on like the periphery. Yeah. Um, and not like just the loud um, horn line. Yeah, yeah. It's um, very quick and rapid. You're noticing everything underneath it. Yeah, I think that's excellent. And I... I would encourage, if, if our listeners feel that at all, I, I think this is a great phenomenon to try at the concert hall. I think you can also try this in the privacy of your own home. You can take your favorite pop song and listen to it. You know, you'll know your favorite pop song in and out because you've heard it so many times. And so you can try it with your eyes closed and hear how many more details you hear in that song. I think it'll be very eye-opening for a lot of people. <laughs> I, I would recommend I was recently enlightened by one of my friends to the music of Billie Eilish. Do you know Billie Eilish? Yeah. And I'm surprised that you know Billie Eilish. It's yeah, for those for those new listeners, I have a staggeringly small knowledge of pop music, but I do know who Billie Eilish is. Good, I'm impressed. I've listened to some of her music. Okay. And I think it's great, in fact. And I think it is very well suited to listening with your eyes closed because there's a lot of kind of details in the production mm. of these songs that are very very interesting, I think. Nice. Yeah. So give it a give it a little try with the eyes closed. Some Billie Eilish okay. or whatever your whatever your uh favorite pop song may be and I think it will clue you into just how much you miss with your eyes open mm. so as we move into starting to talk about the the actual Bruckner Symphony number no. 4 now I want our listeners to keep that in mind that listening with your eyes closed listening to the sounds themselves is going to be really important now we're going to focus primarily on the first and last movements uh, on this particular podcast I think you might agree with me, having listened a couple weeks ago, that the second and third are a little more self-explanatory in certain ways, and yeah. and kind of come across they they're more uh, 
what we they're they're more music that we can readily uh, associate with. The third for me sticks out as the most consumable of yeah of all four. I I would agree, and I think the second two is kind of a more self-explanatory type of movement where it's this kind of processional march, quasi-funeral march-esque mm. movement where you'll hear a lot of, it feels like walking music, it feels, and I think it's it's a little more relatable. But I want to focus in on the first and last because the first and last movements of most symphonies, this included, are usually the biggest narrative journeys. They're usually where the composer says the most of what they're trying to say. And often they relate to each other because kind of the whole narrative arch of the symphony is contained. You, you move from the first movement to the last movement. And the second and third movements kind of act as this pathway to get to the last movement. And that's certainly the case in this piece, in this Bruckner piece. But the reason why I think this is such a great piece for, for, for beginning listeners is that these are huge first and last movements in terms of time. They're, you know, 18, 20 minutes long. They're also actually really, really simple. Mm -hmm. And I think most people will be able to understand them pretty quickly and pretty easily. In both the first and the last movement, there are three main musical ideas that we have to listen for. And that's pretty much it. And unlike a lot of other music, there's not a lot of blending of these ideas where we hear multiple at the same time or something like that. We really hear these ideas in their pure form many, many times, of course, but that's pretty much it. And so if we can process these three ideas, we have a great grasp on this entire, the entire movement and, and as a result, kind of the narrative structure of the piece. Now, another thing that makes this piece so great is that the first movement and the last movement in structure are very, very similar. And so what you'll find is that in some ways the last movement is kind of a recomposition of the first movement because it's so similar in the way that it's built. And as I mentioned, both have three ideas. And I think the, the parallels between the first ideas, the second ideas, and the third ideas are very, very strong. And so what I want to do is I want you, Hannah, and our listeners to listen to these ideas. We're going to play them for you. And we're going to try to kind of do our mapping technique and try to perceive what's going on with these ideas. And so what I want you to do is there's three ideas. The first idea, I want you to construct the image of some sort of room in your mind. Okay? So a room in a house, a room in a church it could be. Bruckner was... Uh, a very religious person it happens it so happens and he he worked in churches his whole life but construct some sort of room that this first idea evokes for you and then when we listen to the second and the third i'm going to ask you to construct an idea of a landscape and then the idea of a scene of a dance but that's going to be the same for the first and the last movement and so really all we're going to need to do is visualize a room visualize a landscape visualize a dance and then we'll talk about what we do with that information. But first, let's so let's listen to the first idea of the first movement. And Hannah, you're going to build a, a room in your mind for us here. Cool. Sound good? Yeah. All right, let's try it out.
All right, so I, I want to first encourage our listeners that if if hearing someone else's idea will skew your own, then maybe don't even listen to this part. Or, or But I think just try to keep an open mind and know that, Hannah, when I ask you about what you would come up with here, it in no way has any bearing on what any of our other listeners yes. should feel, and they should keep an open mind and create their own rooms. And But I'm curious, do you have kind of a, a picture of a room in mind that you associate with that idea? Yeah, one that is very um, simple and clean. Yeah. The floors are wooden and the walls are very tall um, and white and um, there's lots of windows and the light is natural but the sun is coming up Okay. Um, and there are white flowy curtains and that's the room. That's a perfect room. I think you've, <laughs> you've done an excellent job. Okay, so that's our first idea. Okay. The second idea I'm going to play for you, I'm going to ask you to imagine a landscape. Sure. Okay, some, any sort of landscape. Here's the second idea. So landscape for that one, you got any ideas? Oh, mountainous. Mountainous, yeah, I think so too. There's lots of climbing and yeah. that's going on musically, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, but there's also like a sense of pride. So perhaps they're like mountains that you're from. I'm from Indiana, so like I'm from a very flat yeah, landed um, place. Michigan, but, same. Yeah, but it does, there seems to be an emotional aspect to that clip yeah. that I, in uh, my listings, have found to to think it uh, sounds like pride. Good. Yeah. Well, so so create a, you don't have to tell us now, but create a vivid picture of some sort of mountainous scene Sure. that you associate with that because we'll come back to it. But first, quickly, here's the third idea. And for this one, last idea we need to do a visualization for, mm. I want you to think of a scene where people are dancing. Okay. So it can be in a room. You, I, I, you can try to imagine the room, but more importantly, kind of, Imagine the dance, number of people, outfits of the dancers, create a dancing scene. It's, mm -hmm. it's dancing music, so create kind of a dancing scene. thoughts on what that that scene looks like yeah um very formal almost like jane austen type of mm, dancing yeah, yeah, yeah. i yeah. really like that it's it's it feels yeah kind of english buttoned mm. up nice and that's that's excellent so good so those are our three ideas okay that's that's all we need to remember okay room landscape dance and we hear those to start the movement those are the first three things we hear and then as we go through this movement, pretty much everything we'll hear for the duration of this movement is one of those three ideas, and it's usually very recognizable. So if we have that picture of a room, we have that picture of a landscape, 
we have that kind of internal mental video of a dance. Mm. Throughout the rest of the movement, Bruckner's going to be playing with one of those ideas. And here's where kind of our mapping technique comes into play. We talked a little bit about how mapping can be a, a sort of layout. It can help you construct a route or a path, like, like if we were going on Google Maps and we had 10 stops along the way, and here's how it looks from here to the first stop, here's how it looks from here to the second stop. Bruckner is not really like this. He's not kind of a directional composer in that way. Instead, we're going to be staying in the same place over the course of this movement. So we're going to either be in this room, this landscape, or this dance. But what's going to happen is you're going to see the lighting, the scene, something like that change slightly. So every time you hear the room idea come back again, I want you to envision your room that you constructed at the beginning, but listen and hear how the lighting has changed or hear some little tweak that's gone on in the room. Mm. We're not really trying to move to a different room. We're not trying to move to a different landscape. We're sitting in these spaces and observing them as they change over time. Have you seen these? It reminds me of these paintings by Monet of, of haystacks. Have you seen those? Yeah. And he did hundreds of these, or maybe not hundreds, but they're all over the place, and you can see them. He painted them at all times of day. They're the same haystacks, but totally different lighting. You know, some of them are very much at night. It's this kind of purpley, bluish. Other of them are, others are at noon. It's this very bright color palette. And so that's what we're listening for in, in this movement is how the lighting changes. And that's really all we need to hear is these three ideas. And they happen very slowly. And so I think... Even listeners who go for the first time, they'll be able to recognize those ideas. Now, the great thing is that, as I said, the last movement is kind of a recomposition of the first movement. We have exactly the same thing. Three ideas. We'll hear them one, two, three at the beginning of the last movement. And same thing. Room, landscape, dance. Mm -hmm. The ideas in the last movement have a very similar character one, two, three, as they do in the first movement. So I want to do this exercise once more with okay. you. They're probably going to be different sure. visualizations, yeah. but room, landscape, dance. Here's the first idea from the last movement. So we're, we're trying to create a room for this one. So like the first movement, this one is a very soft kind of initial fade in to this, this movement, but very different character, right? Oh, this yeah. one feels much more kind of foreboding. It's, yeah, it's yeah. ominous. It's yeah. a narrow, dark, long, confusing hallway. Ah, that's, that's actually great. Yeah. I like that. I hadn't even thought of something like that, but that's a perfect room for this. Uh, a narrow hallway and maybe kind of a dark mm. end yeah. sets up perfectly for what we'll hear later. Um, 
Okay, here's the next one. Sure. Much like the uh, first movement, I think you'll hear this landscape is very grand. Okay. It's loud music. That's how we can recognize it. So here's our landscape. Right, so that one, could you hear could you hear the similarities with the landscape of the first Definitely, movement? Definitely, like, there's a grandness mm-hmm. to both. Um, but, like, the first clip that we heard in this particular movement, it's a little bit more ominous and foreboding. Mm-hmm. So for this one, it might be a little, a little nerdy, but I saw the wall of Winterfell. Ah, um, that's not Is nerdy. that even right? It's the wall, right? And it is, is it of Winterfell? No. What is it of? Just so the wall? You mean the wall? The wall protects, yeah, yeah. Winterfell is, is further south than the wall, which is, like, yeah. the big wall. yes. So it's I'm just showing, called the wall. Yeah, I'm showing my real nerdiness. But oh. Game of Thrones is not nerdy. Game of Thrones is the best. It's epic. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So the wall, it's very bleak and it's it's maybe snowy. Yep. Good. Great landscape. You don't know what's on the other side and it's sort of scary. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So again, remember room, landscape, and now we have one more dance scene. So I want you to create one more dance scene. Sure. All right, so last idea. There's there's our second dance. Mm. How about this one compared to? Yeah, compared to the first one, or just what what dance is this like? I don't know my dance terminology enough, but I'm definitely seeing um, like a couple, and they're all by themselves, and it's very dramatic in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like the storyline of why they're dancing. Perhaps it's like they can't be together and uh, this is yeah. like the last dance that they can ever have with each other and it's just like <laughs> so dramatic i like that that's actually that's excellent yeah it's less it's less formal and peppy yeah. than perfect so now those are our three ideas in the first and the last movement mm. and same with the last movement you'll come back to these ideas and they'll be framed in a different light and i want to tell our listeners now because that's really all that I want to prep them with to listen to this piece. But that's really all they need. Mm. That's what's so great about Bruckner is if we've just got the sense of these basic building block ideas and you'll be able to hear them over the course of the concert because it unfolds slow enough that you can catch all these. We just listen intently. We listen closely to the kind of musical lighting that mm. these ideas get cast in and we'll be getting an enormous out of this piece uh, enormous amount out of this piece and i think our listeners will find it's not a it's not an active process of i need to figure out exactly where i am and but when you do this so much of this where am i in the piece what's the what is this trying to say to me mm. might get clarified 
And so I'd encourage our listeners, this is not unique to Bruckner, but Bruckner is an excellent composer to try this out with. Don't worry too much about this idea of, am I hearing the quote unquote meaning or whatever of of this piece? Yeah. Or am I interpreting it right? Am I hearing the right thing? Yes. None of that needs to come into our thinking. Really, we just need to hear it for what it is, hear these ideas, hear how they're cast in slightly different lights. And that by itself, I think if you actually take away that effort of constantly trying to ask yourself, because if you think about it also, that will distract you. If you you aren't an experienced listener, the time you spend worrying or thinking about what is this trying to say is time that you're not actually listening Mm. and you might miss something. So just feel comfortable all you have to do is close your eyes or, or look at the ground or whatever yeah. and listen. And you're now armed with this information that there are very few ideas and we're going to try to listen in this way that Bruckner is casting different lights on these ideas. And then I think you'll also find, I think you pointed out a great thing, which is that there's all these similarities in the first and the last movement. The last movement has this more ominous character, Certainly. right? And so use, get you'll you'll get a sense of the first movement's character. Spoiler alert, it's very kind of regal, noble, mm-hmm. uplifting. And then you'll you can use the second and third movements. Again, you'll just be listening, taking in what they give you, and they'll prepare you for this ominousness of the last movement. You'll go on this journey, just follow it. Don't worry about what it's trying to tell you, and you'll come to the last movement and you'll be in this kind of ominous world, again, room, landscape, dance. Mm. And if you are like a note taker, like I am, as a listener, I would um, suggest like even writing down the room, the landscape. You do this actually very well. Yeah, just so when you're listening, um, when you're listening to the movement in full, you can be going back to what you've written down and be thinking like, oh, does it sound like this, um, these lovers dancing with each other and it's like a torn type of dance? Or does it sound like an ominous dark hallway? Yeah. So you can definitely be self-checking while you're listening. And listen, no shame in bringing a notepad to the concert hall. None. You'll see some other people there. You'll know their listeners to attention to detail. You guys can talk all about the uh, the podcast. Yeah. It's, it's a nice little community. But yeah, in all seriousness, I think that's a great idea. And that's how I would encourage our listeners to approach this piece. And it's such a fantastic opportunity to get your feet wet in classical music. Mm-hmm. Because this is really the first step that we have to take is to just be confident, willing, able, committed to listening to the music for what it is. Yeah. Not the listen to me, understand the content of what I'm saying. Just listen to the music for what it is and you'll be amazed at how much meaning uh, value you find in attending a performance like and that. And enjoyment, too. Yeah. Like, it can be fun. I think we talked about this in our last episode of the podcast, that, that it's almost like hide-and-seek with your ears. Yeah. So you could sort of make a fun game out of it, and that's yeah. when you're, like, really enjoying it the most. Because, yes, it's art, but you can also enjoy it as a form of entertainment as well. For sure, and I think you will. It's a fantastic piece. So with that being said, I encourage you to go to this concert at Lincoln Center if you're in the New York area. If not, there are many recordings of this piece anywhere you'd like to find them. And I'd encourage you to listen because it's such a great piece to get your feet wet in the world of classical music. 
And if you have a chance, if you have the time, go back and listen to some of our earlier episodes because they'll also be excellent primers for whatever your first concert-going experience may be. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thanks, and we, we hope to see you soon at a concert ourselves. Enjoy. For more information on this podcast, you can find us at attentiontodetailpod.com. We've actually recently uploaded some resources for this Bruckner concert. There's a guided listening up there and some ways to approach going to your first or second classical concert. So I'd encourage you to to go visit our website. If you like the show, I'd also encourage you to subscribe, give us a rating, maybe leave a comment. And we certainly hope to see you at a concert at some point in the future. 